In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Ha- is it Friday, or is it Saturday? I, I guess it's Friday. I don't even know what day it is anymore. It's all one giant day right now. It's it is. Crazy. It's a happy death day. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Uh, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And what's been getting me through this week is I re-upped on a subscription to Marvel Unlimited. Um, if you don't know about it, it is basically like a comic subscription. You get access to like thousands and thousands of Marvel comics from the present and then also just through their whole history. So I decided to jump in on that because they were doing a thing where they were offering free comics during this pandemic. And so I jumped in on that. I decided to re-up so I could read House of X and Powers of X because I'm a giant X-Men fan. And obviously, I'd heard a lot of people talking about it, so I wanted to read it. It's really good. It's a really interesting storyline. And it was kind of weird having not read comics for a while to read this, it, you know, but it's it's a fun experience. I'm really liking it. And I'm, I'm definitely glad I re-upped because there's a lot more I want to read now. And I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And what's getting me through this week is, and what's the last couple of weeks, is Quibi, the new weird little streaming service that's kind of got mocked a lot because it's like all in your phone. Like the only, pretty much the only place you can watch anything is in your phone. And I was kind of, eh, you know, on the, on the concept of it. But it's really kind of cool. You know, the, there's movies and there's shows and everything's in like five to ten minute chapters. You can binge it if you haven't seen like ten chapters of The Stranger or something, which kind of I did that. I was like kind of a late person to The Stranger. But th- so that so there is a binge quality. But then once you get caught up, it's kind of cool to have like a little serialized thing like to come back every day and to see like, though, there's, an, you know, there's a new chapter here. You know, I can watch a couple chapters and go kind of do something else. Um, so that's kind of cool. And what, what's really kind of neat about it um, is that – so it is it is built for your phone. And so you can watch it like widescreen, you know, like like a normal movie or something. But then it's you turn it up like kind of like vertically and it kind of works too. And it's kind of neat how, how they've – you can like watch it two different ways and it, and it's – it's pretty linear. I mean, it kind of it kind of works even like if you're watching it vertically, which I don't love to watch things vertically. Like you know, kind of like that's the, the these TikTok things kind of drive me nuts because everything's so freaking vertical. But um, but it kind of works with the the Quibi um shows and movies. And if you if you give it a try, um, do the the Fifty States of Fright, which is kind of an anthology that is really like it's a horror anthology, but it's really freaky. It's like really kind of gory too. So it's kind of fun. All right. If this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. 
while you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be totally tubular if you could write a quick review about the show. Uh, by doing that, you not only help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. As a bonus, you get a special shout-out on the next episode. So try it out. We even read the reviews that aren't so glowing. For example, our good friend Yendis, who writes, uh, This podcast was almost impossible to listen to because of all the likes in every sentence. This, by the way, is in reference to the episode we did reviewing Onward which is the Disney animated movie that came out pretty much right near the start of when all this crazy lockdown madness happened. Brett and Brian would put Valley Girls to shame with that effort. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, beautiful. Like cool, Thank man. You. Like, thanks. He also said we have projected verbal diarrhea, so that's also amazing. And Sweet. I, yeah. Something. <laughs> I'm going to frame this and give it to my mom because I think she'd be especially <laughs> proud of this endeavor. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so see, even if you write a bad review, we'll read it. So there you go. Um, don't forget, though, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, where you can directly call us verbal diarrhea. Or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Uh, speaking of Valley Girls, here's a clip. See the people walking down the street. They don't know where they want to go, but they're walking in time. Stop. You were singing and dancing on a fountain. That's how I remember it. Go, go, me. Where should we go now? We go over the hill to Hollywood. There's this fashion college. Where is it? New York City. You're not moving across the country with the guy we've never met. You have this shiny, bright, perfect life. I don't know how to fit into this. thought about you you just proved them right why do you even care what they think it's just me and you uh the 80s are back although for brian and me they've never really left in the new film Valley Girl, a musical remake of the 1983 Nicolas Cage film about a girl from L.A.'s San Fernando Valley falling in love with a Hollywood punk rocker from the other side of the tracks. The girl this time around is played by our special guest, Jessica Roth, who you may know from the recent horror films Happy Death Day and Happy Death to You, as well as La La Land and the MTV show Mary Plus Jane. Uh, Jessica, thanks so much for being here. I have to say, I am so impressed and amazed with everyone's, their ability to adapt and use like eight different types of technology at once because I have trouble using one type of technology at once. So I'm really digging what you're putting out right now. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's start, let's start with this because it's obviously something everybody's confronting. It's, you know, this quarantine. How are you holding up during all this? You know, I, I can't complain. I have a wonderful fiance. We have an adorable dog. We are fortunate that we have a safe home and a little bit of outdoor space. I've been baking a lot of bread. Some might say too much bread. I'm definitely one of the hipsters who has my own sourdough starter now. <laughs> um, so I'm leaning real hard into that stereotype. Uh, even though I was a baker before, doing some paint by numbers, getting some writing done. So trying to keep busy, but you know, I think it's such a funny, bizarre time for everyone and 
it's, it changes day to day. And I think we all just have to be really kind and patient with ourselves that no matter where you're at, it's okay to be there. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I get that. So how, but how much weirder was it for you to go back to the eighties? I mean, kind of, were you aware of the original, original Valley girl before getting cast in, in this musical version of it? So I was vaguely aware of the film, which, which is amazing. And since being cast and then making the movie, I have watched it numerous times. Deborah Foreman is a goddess and a genius. And she is so charming and endearing. And you just love her so much, even though she is making really questionable choices throughout <laughs> the entire movie. Um, and who doesn't love Nick Cage's Batman chest hair? I mean, that like that unto itself is a reason for this, this movie to just exist forever. But I love the 80s. I love a good power ballad. I'm a big fan of shoulder pads. Like, I, there are so many things about the 80s that are just unapologetically pure in themselves. And I think it's why this film works so well, this kind of Romeo and Juliet love story. Because when you're in high school and you're feeling all of those emotions, everything is is the most important thing in that moment. It's 150 percent all of the time and I feel like the 80s are kind of that way as well and 80s music is very much that way that it's just so full of emotion and angst and love and passion and unapologetically earnest so I really loved it so there are obviously throwbacks to the first film and you've obviously got everything 80s that's dripping throughout this entire thing but focusing specifically on on julie what is it that you really liked about her as a character and what you liked about the story as a whole so julie the thing that's amazing about her is that she is kind of this ultimate 80s valley girl she's this creative free spirit and when you meet her at the beginning of the movie she loves going to the mall with her friends and thinking about high school senior prom and doing all of these things but there is this glimmer of is there something more in the world? And what I really love about the story and kind of what Amy Talkington did with the script is this isn't a story about a girl who falls in love and because she falls in love, she changes. It's not about a boy who changes her. It's about a girl who through her experience and a relationship has her eyes open to a bigger world and this kind of small seedling that already existed inside of her just blossoms and as a result at the end of the film she doesn't choose the valley or randy she kind of meshes everything together into what is her own identity and her own kind of like punk rock chic val fashion sense awesomeness if that makes sense but yeah she's just an utter delight and i think she also is such a grounded and real person and all of the things that she experiences are such relatable things you're in a lot of 80s wear in this you know, i have a lot of costume changes there's even one scene set in an aerobics studio where everybody gets to wear tights during like kind of a extended medley what was your favorite outfit <sighs> for the shoot that's such a hard question um Maya Lieberman, who did our costumes, just did such an incredible job. I mean, she she also got to pull from stock, from the studio warehouses. So some of the clothes we were wearing were made for the film. Some of them were kind of like 80s throwback fashion that's now become popular again. And some of them were from the 80s. So we were wearing like straight up polyester, 
in the valley in the summer in Los Angeles, which that part wasn't super cute and it was very stinky, but my favorite outfit, I really love the aerobics outfits just because when else would I get to wear that? But I think that I also, there's this amazing kind of like white and blue striped outfit that I wear on one of my first dates with Brandy with Josh Whitehouse's character and I wear a side ponytail and a scrunchie, which is a very <laughs> specific choice. <laughs> and I just loved that. Oh, and one other shout out has to go to the prom dress that Julie makes for herself, um, which was again designed by Maya and was so much fun to kind of help her create and talk about how we infuse, as I was saying before, that kind of Val chic with the punk rock Madonna vibe. So the star of the 1983 film, Deborah Foreman, gets a really cool cameo here. Um, what was it like working with her? And also, did she have any fun stories about Nick Cage? Because I know that obviously she played opposite him in the movie. What was, what was that whole experience like? Meeting her was amazing. She was so incredibly generous and kind. And um, I'm sure it was very surreal for her to step onto the set of a remake of a movie that launched her career. And... Um, but she just is the most genuine, bubbly, wonderful human being. Um, we had a lot of fun together. And she did. She had some crazy Nick Cage stories. I think also it just sounds like everybody just made out a lot on that movie. Like all of the time. I think they were all 18 when they made it. So everybody was just making out a lot, at least from what she said. Um, but she... She had such wonderful, fun things to say about Nick and about all of the cast members. And Elizabeth Daly and Heidi Holliker actually were in the film as well in different cameos. And it was really, I was so appreciative that our producers and directors and the writer found ways to, to let the original cast be a part of this because they are the reason that we all were there. You know, a lot of the retro songs are famous and fun, but, you know, kind of for you as a singer, what 80s tunes are actually kind of like low-key tricky to to perform? Oh, all 80s music, because it's all like belty, hard stuff. And I, like, when I sing by myself, I'm a super nerd, and growing up, all I sang and listened to was like Ella Fitzgerald, like jazz, like big band jazz music. Um, which is some of my favorite. And I love 80s music, but those women had pipes. Women and men. I mean, they all, like, everybody was just so incredible um, and powerful with their singing. And it definitely took some work. I worked with Eric Vitro, um, who was my coach, and then Harvey Mason, who was our incredible music man. He did an incredible job kind of helping us get the songs to where they needed to be and to sit in the right places for us, which I was really appreciative for. So we've seen, we've seen you sing in movies before. La La Land, obviously, is, is one of the biggest examples. Is it nice to have a Best Picture nominee, and I guess technically it was a winner for about five seconds, um, on your resume? Oh, my God. I, I am so grateful to Damien and to Emma and Ryan and to that film. I would not be where I am in my career without it. Um, not only because of the prestige that that movie brings, but I learned so much from being on that set. And I grew up on movie musicals. And so the opportunity to be part of that one and now another is a dream come true. You probably do kind of learn something new on everything that you do. Your first thing is America's Most Wanted. What did you learn on that? 
um, don't break the law. (laughs) No, I think it's, it is that funny thing that I, I mean, I feel really fortunate in some ways that the path of my career has been, I've done a lot of really weird stuff. I've done plays in New York. I've done America's Most Wanted. I've done Blue Bloods. I've done La La Land. I've done Valley Girl. I've done Happy Death Day. And that's the thing that I want to continue to do is just to push the envelope and explore different genres and different characters and different types. So speaking of Happy Death Day, um, you know, Jason Bloom said, has said that a third film is still on his radar. Do you think it'll happen or do you feel like the real Happy Death Day 3 is pretty much every day during this quarantine? Yeah, it's now. You guys are living what I live <laughs> for a very long time. Don't worry, you'll get out of it. Stay away from any babies. No, I mean, I hope I hope it does. Just because Chris Landon, who has become one of my best friends in the whole world, is such a genius and such an incredible director to work with. And all of the cast and crew on that film could not be more amazing. Um, And it would be a gift. It would be a gift to get to do it again. Um, But I also know that we only want to do it if we get to do it right, because we don't want to make a half-assed version of anything. Um, So Chris has some ideas. We'll see. I also, I would be fine if in like 20 years, I get to pull Jamie Lee Curtis and kind of come back a la Halloween and be badass tree like, in her forties or you know, who knows mm-hmm. life is long. Yeah. So, so we had a listener kind of, kind of nail Brett and I for, for talking like Valley girls. It's kind of funny that like this, this review came up like this week and like, it's the Valley girl week. Um, for you who had to talk like a Valley girl, you know, we obviously are experts according to a listener, but for the rest of everybody else, what are your, um, what are your tips for sounding like a Valley girl? Uh, the funny thing is we actually went to a vocal coach to learn that, which of course, because that was three years ago, I have forgotten almost everything. But I think everybody kind of knows like how to sound like a valley girl. I think it's very much in you really enjoy the sounds of the words that you're making and you get to say fun words like tripendicular and you just get to chew on them and there's a lot of upwards inflection. And I know that when I talk like this as a teenager, my mom wanted to kill me. Um, but so <laughs> it was it was really fun not only getting to play in that palette, but finding the realistic version of it so that we weren't mocking or making fun of, but that it was kind of grounded in the characters and how they communicate and how they like to express themselves. So uh, one last question before we let you go. Um, Looking back to this whole quarantine experience, you know, obviously we've all got different things that we've been doing to kind of get by. You mentioned paint by numbers, for example. What are some of the things, your big, the big things that you've been binging or the new hobbies you've picked up since this lockdown started? Oh, um, I've been doing a lot of writing, which is something that I was doing a little before, but not a lot. So that's kind of exciting and fun. Um, watching, we started watching Dave. Little Dickie's new show, um, which is great. It's fantastic. I love it. I think he's brilliant. We've all, as I said, I've also been baking a lot of bread. Um, And yeah, it's been really fun to kind of get to explore and have time to watch things that we normally wouldn't, um, which is why you should 
hashtag self-promotion, check out Valley Girl, May 8th on digital. It's the perfect time. It's, it's just a little burst of sunshine in your otherwise kind of like gloomy quarantine life. Go get some 80s neon. Go, go feel good about yourself for a while. Nicely done on the plug, by the way. Well, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's hashtag and everything. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was great having you. And best of luck with Valley Girl and, and everything you've got going on through your life and career. Great. Thank you guys so much. Stay safe. Okay, listeners, it's your turn. Do you remember the original Valley Girl? Are you going to stream the new musical? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can tweet at us individually. I'm at BrettMolina23. And I'm at Brian Truitt. And you can find Jessica on Twitter at Jessica underscore Roth with an E-R-O-T-H-E. And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. That'll wrap it up this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, we love to get a rating or review. It helps other people find the podcast. And you get a shout out on our next episode. And we stop saying like every other word. So it's great for everybody. Um, If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen. Until next week, nerds out. Later, dudes.